Yeah. So Brooke, I mean, first of all, now you're in Ireland. Is that right? Yes, I am. I'm from Derry. Can you guess where I'm from? Uh, right. I know that I've obviously loved the American accent. Can you talk some more? Talk again. Say something. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see if Brooke can guess where I am from. I love diners. I live near the beach. I... <laughs> can you Did guess? I get it? Daytona. No, no, I'm from New New Jersey. New Jersey. I should have said. Okay. I, I got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. But here's the thing. Yeah, I actually live in New Jersey, right across from New York, New York City. But here's the thing. In Ireland, I I actually never stepped foot in Ireland except for the Dublin airport. Dublin airport. Oh, uh, you need to go. You yeah. need to go. I'm sure you know that. Like everybody that comes here comes back. It's just such a, the Emerald Isle for a reason. It, it captures people's hearts. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have family that lives in UK, Scotland. And um, yeah, we definitely want to go to Ireland. And uh, it's beautiful. I love the green. And I can't wait. But here's the thing. Well, I can't believe that you won. I mean, your song literally has a hold in like the biggest song contest in the world. Eurovision Song Woo! Contest. It's it, I literally like I, every time I think about it, I can't grasp the size of the situation like this is it was so funny once I after after I won, I like turned to my family and was like, OK, right, cut it, cut it, cut it now. Like this joke has gone too far. Like what have we got ourselves into? This is this is major, 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 like best exposure for a song and artist ever that you could ever imagine. God, it's funny. It's funny that you said that the, the joke went way too far. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, but no, but in, in, in listen, in, in all essence, I mean, listen, I, I kind of went through some videos. Um, I, you know, combed through the internet. Here's yeah. the thing. You're, you're extremely talented and um, the song is really good. So you, you deserve it. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, maybe the joke did go too far, but it's not all a joke because you definitely earned your place. So let me ask you, you this. So, I mean, like, first of all, like whose idea was it to submit the song to Eurovision, like this really big. And so if people don't know what Eurovision is, it's really, it's literally that the biggest song contest in the world and it's put on by the european broadcasting union so whatever that is but it sounds big right no it is really big i mean so many legends and historical artists have have won but anyway whose idea was it to submit your song that's rich was actually the first song that i have ever written in my life like it i swear <laughs> it was after i was on the voice uk in 2020 and whenever that was over, obviously the pandemic like messed up any chance I had of making money from music or um, singing live because obviously I couldn't do that. So what I resorted to was practicing my craft and start writing my own songs. And that meant I went into an estate agents. I got a job, a nine to five job, took a Wednesday off and wrote music over Zoom. So that's where That's Rich came from. And this is the first time in seven years that 
Ireland has actually let the public have a say like it's the first time they haven't done it across a boardroom or you know had a panel that chose this song the public actually got a, a say and they chose me to represent them in the Eurovision Song Contest this year which is which is unbelievable I mean that's crazy and you said it was like the first song that you ever wrote happened to land at the biggest songwriting contest right I mean the first song you ever wrote yeah I mean, look, the song is so funny because if you listen to it again, I was in a real blonde obsession. Like I was listening to her flat out. I've seen her three times, Debbie Harry. I was reading her biography and I just really wanted to create a modern song with 80s elements inspired by Blondie because she's just an artist, an icon. And I wanted to create music that could be iconic and could live through the years. And you'd look back and still think that song's really, really familiar. You know what I mean? Like it just hits immediately. Uh, by the way, speaking about Debbie Harry, do you know she lives in my zip code? Like Debbie Harry lives in my zip code. And as well as, what? yeah, yeah. She, she, I believe she lives in Red Bank, um, New Jersey. And ironically, what's really crazy is Bon Jovi is also from my area. John Bon Jovi, uh, Bruce Springsteen. So they're from the no, Asbury. No, no. Yeah. 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 So so basically I live in a, in a New Jersey shore. So the surrounding town, and it's very small. The surrounding towns is Red Bank and Asbury Park. So Debbie Harry, and Red Bank is like five minutes away. Debbie Harry lives in Red Bank. And Bruce Springsteen lives in the Asbury Park Rumson section. Uh, Charlie Puth is also around in the same zip code as well. Ironically, I've seen Bruce a number of times. I have seen John Bon Jovi just, you know, roaming around in the area. But I've never seen Debbie Harry. Unless I'm just not recognizing her. I'm not sure. I can't believe that I've never ran into her. But anyway, interesting story. I'm on Fire is literally one of my favorite songs of all time by Bruce Springsteen. Like, I, I love that man. I love that man. And I always thought that he was married to, um, <clears throat> what's her name? Sings Battlefield and sings, uh, love like, love is a battlefield. Love is a battlefield. I know he's married to Patti Smith, but I thought he was married to... That's Pat Benatar, love. love is a battlefield. Pat Benatar, yes. I thought he was married to her for ages, and then only found out recently. It was Patti Smith yes. sing, that sings as a night. That is the most, that's so, oh, unreal. So cool. Anyway, back to the Eurovision. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, it's no, no, it's great. So, so basically, you're saying that is the first time uh, they're allowing the, the the public to vote. Yeah, I mean, okay. once you win the public's vote, that is all you want. Like, if you win on, on other causes and don't win the public's vote, then what's you you don't even feel like you are representing your country. Do you know what I mean? I, like I do. It's such a holds so much weight and holds so much dignity and i'm so pleased that I, that people wanted me like it would be worse if, if they didn't <laughs> and and actually you know i kind of and secondly that we were saying like that's rich was a blondie debbie harry influence kind of a song yeah completely completely so you know what's crazy is you said this is the first song you kind of ever wrote and it kind of caught fire and you know what? This is not like the first time I've heard of this before. Like the first song, Catching Fire. And in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I think because when you're writing your first song or writing your first batch of songs, or this is your first experience, you're imposing no rules. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. Everybody wants you to continue that genre after. 
Like, it's so weird. I wrote that song for nobody but myself, like my own enjoyment, because I wasn't putting pressure on myself to sound like anyone or be like anything. Like, I wrote the song because I wanted to write a timeless 80s song that was modern and, and it was fun. Like, I laughed the whole time I was writing it because the words are comical. Like, it's a, it's a caricature of what I thought a song should be. And it turns out that that's what has transpired, like, tra- like you know, transcended everything. So the song, the music that I wrote after, though, I still love like I do love it but it's a lot like this one was fun for me like this whole thing the whole process was so quick it just rolled off the tongue it was like a weird mood that I was in and it was like I just didn't want I didn't care if anybody didn't like it because it was a trial run for me do you know what I mean I I do so did that song come about I mean did it start off as a beat did it start off as a melody how did that what sparked that song like what was the initial uh thing that sparked that so first of all, we found, we found like I, I asked a boy to find me um, a producer that would want to work with me. And then the producer had a friend called Izzy Warner. So producer Carl Zane and then Izzy Warner's his friend that helps songwriter songwrite. And obviously, since I hadn't written a song before, I asked to have another person in the room so I could learn from them. And I did learn a lot. But I like before that, I was like, right, what, does, what do you do to write songs? And I didn't look up anyone else's process. So in my dreams, like I would get phrases or if anything was said during the day, like I think granny was the one that said, that's rich. Like you'll never do it. You know what I mean? Because she calls me lazy. I am kind of lazy, but in different ways, in different ways. But you just you write down all the different phrases, like take your mirror off the wall was like one of the things I'd written in my notes. Like it's such a strong opening line. It was so funny. And like we just I put it in like my notes on my iPhone then we put it into a Word document. And then we all just typed and amended different things as we went. But with the beat, I asked for like a staccato like guitar beat, like or like a ding ding. I, I knew what I wanted, but didn't know how to put it into words. But we all just created this vision and and it just it I heard it back that night and I was like dancing around on the carpet, like this is what I meant, this is what I wanted. And then I played it for mommy and she was like, I don't like the talky bit in the middle. I was like, I don't give a nonsense, I don't care. I don't care if you don't like it. The conversational middle eight is like only for my enjoyment. Like I don't mind if nobody likes it. I love it. I think it's so quirky and naughty's like it brings back naughty's punk and I, I love punk music. You know, it's amazing how you said that you don't care if anybody likes it. And, and, and I agree with you. And I think, you know, an artist should be writing songs that they love, whether yeah. the public embraces them or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's when you know that you're enjoying yourself. That's when you know that you're being the truest version of you. Like if I, whenever I sing this on stage, you can literally see that I'm having the best time of my life and I'm nearly laughing at myself because who would have thought me writing this song on a on a on my phone about two years ago would take me to where I am today like it's just such a weird concept to get from A to B like it's just everything that's happened in the middle has been perfect like it's all learning experience it's all crucial to my artist development and my artistry well remember Remember that, I mean, depending on how far you go in this business and, and whoever, how far this takes you, I love what you said, always like write the songs that you like and never put stock in whether the public embraces it or not. You know, it was a really cool story I read. Remember Carly, what is it? Her name is Carly, Carly Ray Jackson. Yeah. She wrote that song. Call me maybe. Yeah. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, Justin Bieber, her manager, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. 
So what happened is, you know, the song blew up in America. Was it also big in Ireland as well? Oh, massive. Okay. So yeah, so it really blew up in America. And obviously this is, I think it was our kind of her only kind of hit that she had. So it was like, it just blew up. I don't think she really had a, a, a follow-up song on that record. So she recorded another album. And according to her, what she said is that she was sick of, re, you know, releasing songs that she didn't want to release. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened is that, you know, after when you have like a successful song, then people start telling you what to do yeah, because they want to resemble that over and over and over again. <clears throat> yeah. But so Carly Rae Jepsen basically said, I released songs that I wasn't proud of and no one liked them anyway. So she goes, I might as well, I may as well release the songs that I love and that I'm a part of because if people don't like them, I'm proud of them. And so it's like, I I really, I, I appreciate that kind of a comment. So now, and that's what I do believe. I do believe Brooke, that all an artist can do or any creative professional can do is they show up to work. They love what they do. They care about mm-hmm. what they do. They put a lot of work into it. They release that work to the world. And if it finds a place in the world and it becomes a masterpiece over time, then great. Yeah. Like I used to put so much pressure on myself. Like I used to think, oh, it has to do this and it has to do that and it has to sound like this. And you have to have your, everyone kept saying to me, you have to have your own sound. But I love every kind of genre like literally eh, opera like I literally love everything everything and I think it's fun to dabble in different genres I, I do but you're not marketable or seen as marketable if you're if you don't fit into one genre you're all your songs don't sound like one thing but I don't think that that should be the case yes of course you're not going to appeal to one market or every market but it's if you put your creative spin on everything, there's going to be elements of similarities within it anyway. But like, obviously with different and bigger labels, the bigger that you get or the bigger that you want to be, you do have to bow down a wee bit to different commercial like standards, I suppose. I mean, is that, is, is it worth sacrificing some of your creative like skills to, to suit someone else? I don't know. I've not, I'm not there yet. I don't know. I just know that the songs I've written so far have just happened naturally organically there's been no there's been no one telling me I should write one like this or one like that it's literally how I feel on the day and I think that that's that transcends through the music so this you know your your song your first song you ever wrote that's rich I mean it's approaching 800,000 Spotify streams now did that like, when did you see the majority of those streams? Like, was it after it was announced that the song was um, nominated for Eurovision or was it prior? So the whenever I noticed the streams was after Eurosong, it was never prior. Like, I, I would never have had any backing or no one would really have known who I was because the momentum of the voice had had simmered down like I haven't released anything in probably a year and a half so 
I feel like momentum was obviously lost there. I don't want to do that again. Um, Hero song, like there's 180 million people listen to the Eurovision. Like they watch the Eurovision physically on TV. That is Europe wide. The whole, the right. whole, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> whenever so, I say that, it's funny. Okay. So like, so how, how long did you release that song after you appeared on The Voice? Um, that that's rich was only released. Um, it it was only released about I'm gonna say two weeks before Eurosong. Two weeks. Was it? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. So two or three weeks before Eurosong. That makes it even more crazy. Yeah, because I didn't release it. I sent it in to Eurosong, and it had to be a non-released single. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. So, that's right. So they had to like, and it had to never was allowed to be performed anywhere, and um. It was just, it was like, it had to be an original song for the Eurovision. So that's what I did. I basically, yeah. So, so, so really, and the reason why I'm asking that is because, so really you've, that song has garnered literally almost a million streams in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really short, like a month. Like, so now, now. (laughs) Have you? I know, crazy. Has that song landed on any kind of Spotify editorial playlist? Yeah, yeah, it has, and it's doing well in Norway and Sweden and like uh, and Germany as well. It's doing really well there. It's obviously doing really well in Ireland, and Ireland radio stations are starting to play it. See, once you get radio play, like that is, a, I swear, after Eurosong, me and my family were traveling down from Dublin. And I think we were like having like a discussion about something random about somebody doing something the night before. And all of a sudden, was like coming on the radio and we all just like stopped and looked at each other. Nah, it was like, how do we react to this? This is in like, oh, so crazy. So crazy. Now, let me ask you this. It says, you know, if, if you were to like give a quick search on your name, it says best known for UK, the voice, right? Yeah. I mean, it, right. So do you like the way that sounds? I mean, do you want to be known where Brooke first rose to fame as a finalist on the voice UK? Like, do you want to be known for that or do you want to be known something beyond that? I mean, look, everybody starts somewhere. I, the reason why I went on The Voice was because my friend entered me. This was not something that I saw as a feasible career. I will never look down upon that time. I will never think I could have done this. I should have done this. There, I wasn't going to be a singer unless I had entered that show. That show gave me the confidence and the realization that, hang on a minute, four prestigious artists have have turned around for me here like they see something in me that I'd never even saw so that in itself started my career like you best known yeah not maybe not now but it is how I was people in my area didn't even know I sang like I it was it was uh, it was like withheld from myself I didn't let myself become my true potential and yes I know Eurovision is a lot more prestigious it's a massive competition there's so much heart and a lot of different communities that are really really like supportive of the Eurovision like I think do I think that I'll always be known for the voice 
no, I think that might change, but I'll never not respect that time in my life. And I'm so glad that I did it. I know not everybody has positive experiences on a TV show, but I couldn't say a bad word. I was like Joe wide. I was a sponge. I soaked everything in. I got free music, like singing lessons from really, really established vocal coaches and help. I got so much help and I got free clothes and I got free everything. And it's just really like, I will never look back on that and think that was the wrong idea. That was perfect. It, it, it is. And by the way, and so here's my personal opinion. See, I think that the singing competitions, whether it's The Voice, American Idol, no, they're definitely great platforms for the artist. Uh, I, I do feel that the the judges on those platform on those shows, obviously, it's about them. They make it about themselves. Kind of the the new emerging talent is secondary, and I guess the judges are known. But I think that the confusion is with with people or artist is right. There's difference between a singer and an artist. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're right. You are right. And because I don't know whether or not the music industry looks down on people that do enter those competitions. But even if they did look down on me before and thought that I didn't deserve to be in this industry now, they can't say that because I have now written this song and this creative, this Eurovision is my baby. I am the creative director of everything that I do from now on. So whether or not I deserve to have recognition from a TV show at the start, whether that was in question, it's definitely not questioned now, which is my whole goal. Well, well, that, that was my second point is yeah. that you crossed over. And the reason why I brought that up to begin with is how do you feel when you see that? And the reason why I mentioned that is because you have crossed over. And uh, and listen, here's the thing. I, I truly do respect these singing shows. Like I said, you can have a singer on there that owns it, that owns it. And I, I have known plenty of good singers that transition to the artist world that who understand that. So I, I, I truly do have a respect for those shows. And, um, and here's another thing it's like you can be an artist but not perform so it's like if an artist wants to slam on one of those tv shows i'm like well let me see you perform on one of those shows in front of judges because it's easy yeah. to sit in your room and write and stare at the wall anyone yeah. can do that but it's yeah. a different story of actually getting on stage singing in front of cameras in front of these celebrity judges. So if anyone ever says anything, it's like, hey, talk to me until you do that. Cameras are such a different story. Like see when you're performing to a camera, like half of my experience on The Voice was performed to no audience, just cameras. And I feel like that was a massive learning curve for me. And it really geared me up for the Euro song because now the elements of my performance that I'm looking at, I have seen all the legends I've seen Tina Turner and um, Lionel Richie Stevie Wonder like I've seen all of these people perform and I want to be known as a performer a performing artist someone that you want to see someone that you know will put a good show on that will entertain you and yes they can sing and hold the note and be a good like be a singer but I love being encapsulated by a performance and really being drawn into a whole like when you can connect with somebody through a massive like production 
I love that. I there's difference between a singer and a performer. Like Tina Turner put on one of the craziest shows I've ever seen, and she was 70 years old. And I mean, like that's what I want to be known as. Like that's live music, a live performer, like somebody that really, really captures you. And I feel like I've learned a lot of that through the voice, learning with cameras, and it will tra- it will transpire into my performance on the Eurovision there's so many elements and there's one element that's going to just bring like we've put so much thought into this and it's really smart we haven't put any focus on props no distraction really good like succinct dance routine performance with a real good camera shot and I can't tell you anything more because there's a lot of Eurovision fans that'll be looking for spoilers and I can't give any away. <laughs> but like, there's just, it's a really smart, thought out performance. And if I do this right, hopefully I'll have a career for a long time. So, and now even on the the, the voice in the UK, you, what, what did you end up placing? You're a finalist, third. right? Third, third. But you're like, thank goodness, because it seems like whoever comes in first always get shafted and the second and third and fourth ones always seem to do really cool things i mean i'm just kind of joking but right have you ever noticed like on american yeah. idol it was it, it's like the first one always seems to just fade away and the runner-ups i mean look at look i mean how many how many runner-ups i mean i can't imagine that from the ones a- never there's loads there's loads. so many Lo- one direction um jls little, little mix one actually uh alexander they she won there are so many people like on the like that didn't actually make it that have done so well like and i know that what did me a favor was megan trainer couldn't fly over um in the semi-final she was a she was pregnant she was in america so i had to do everything for myself i had to stand up to a record label that were trying to steer me in one direction and I didn't want to do it. So I did my own thing and maybe that worked against me, but played for my fever in the long game. So there was loads of elements. Do you know what I mean? There was loads of different things to stand up for. I do. Now you you just mentioned the record label. You Now, are you signed to a label at all right now? No, but I've got three songs coming out after the Eurovision that are licensed to V2, which is a independent label. So I'm not signed. Great. And now do you have like a, like a kind of official team, like a manager or anything like that? Yeah. But they're, they're people I've known my whole life. Great. It's that I can complain, like it's confidently rely on. And it's a really good team that like lets me have the creative steer and have my own opinion. It's just literally someone that keeps my head on the right place being like, you have this today. Cause I am such a scatterbrain about everything. That's why I need somebody to, to help me control this crazy life that I'm living. Now, let me, let me ask you this, like, where did you get this creative DNA? Did it come from like a mother, a father, a grandma? My daddy is very musical and, and really gave me my musical like knowledge. He gave me everything like from when we were and growing up, he used to play me Dolly Parton. He used to play me. Uh, I knew that's why I knew all the Tina Turner songs because he had greatest hits album in the car and I, I knew every word to all of her songs and he took us to a concert and I just listened to all the greats like Cher. I actually, Barbara Streisand, he loved her. Like we, I just got to such a brilliant musical education and 
he couldn't really sing but when I was listening to him as a child I thought he was like John Jovi I thought he was unbelievable but obviously look and listening to him now he's actually not a powerful singer <laughs> but it just shows you like how adults are glamorized in child's minds but he had such an impact on me and, he, and there's no one else really in the family that sings or is musical no one plays an instrument or anything now do you play any instruments guitar and piano but not confidently I like to perform to a crowd like I like to be like when a lot of people feel like a guitar is like a crutch that shields them I feel like it's a barrier for me <laughs> which is weird because I love to just dance I actually love like the dance and choreography behind the whole thing now do you work right now like do you work a job I had to quit my estate agent job <laughs> so you, okay and this is my full-time singing Full-time singing. So, so let me ask you this. So like, what's your day-to-day -day like? So basically this is big news for you, big price, by the way. And when is the last time someone from, let me give you a quiz. I, okay, I did go. some research. When is the last time someone from Ireland won the Eurovision contest? A long time ago. <laughs> yes. Like 19... Oh, God, I don't know. I actually don't know, but it, it's like 20 something. 1970. 19, yeah, okay, sorry. Like, okay, 30 years. 40, 50 years. 50 years. Uh, Dana. 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 No, Dana. Dana. Dana, sorry. Dana is the first ever winner. No, no, there's there's been ones before. There's been ones after. Um, Ireland's won seven times, I think. So wow. Dana was her winner, and she's from Derry, which is where I'm from. Wow. Imagine, Im imagine if you, let me ask you this. If you won mm -hmm. and the joke continues, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I can't believe it. We're still in this joke. <laughs> Someone pop this bubble. <laughs> like, how would you handle it? Like, what? I mean, what would you do? I've been watching the Kanye West documentary and Donda like had such a significant impact on Kanye, his mother. And um, she said a lot of things to him that have resonated with me. It made me really emotional and made me realize how lucky I am to be living this dream. She said to him, like she just believed like him that he was going to blow up. And she was like, Kanye, please remember that a giant looks in the mirror and sees nothing. Everyone can see the giant and respect the giant, but the giant can't see himself and respect himself. It's like, keep your feet firmly on the ground and you can still fly. Like you can still like, you don't, you can't forget where you come from basically. And I won't, I'm going to, I learned a lot going on the voice and, and being up here and being dra dramatically dropped down to the bottom with nothing to do for two years and not be a, a working artist. And that has worked wonders in my favor because I'll never take a second of this for granted. So let me ask you this, like you mentioned about the Kanye West documentary. So do you believe that everything that led up to the point right now, do you mm -hmm. believe that is a result of your hard work, getting up, showing up, or do you think there's something outside of the situation that kind of like, no matter how much effort you put in, there was an element that was out of your control to make this all happen. I always feel like there is a path and 
there is things you have to do to follow on the right path and the working hard the showing up the doing the stuff behind the scenes like that is all part and parcel everything that I've done in my life so far has led me to today and led me to the person that I am do I feel like I would be doing this career if I hadn't have worked absolutely not I would I would just be doing getting by like unhappy and, and annoyed at myself because deep down I've always felt like this is where I belonged on the stage performing whether it was just being the loud not being like just at, at, I know it was family parties but making sure that I was entertaining people and being the person in the room that was um con- like connecting people and bringing everybody together that's where I felt like I was safest and I feel like where where uh, I could have I could have tried to do this and not done the work. Like I could have just gave up after those two years, but I never released any of my music because I wanted them to get the platform that they deserved. And while I was working and, and it wasn't easy, um, they found their way to the right, to the right spot and to the right place by themselves naturally. And you just have to trust the process. It's never, it's not always going to be easy, but you have to really revel in the good times because they're, they like, especially if you keep getting them, they've like, they're not as sweet each time they come. So I get what you're saying. So basically you're saying that, you know, regardless of, of you, you know, winning or not, that you, you, you kind of been in the trenches where the fact that you were on the voice, you were runner up third, which is huge. And then from there, everything just kind of dropped off. And you kind of went from like a mountaintop experience down, back down to a valley. Yeah. And that was, and isn't that amazing that, and I've been in this position where you're on a momentum and everything is dead silent. The calls Mm -hmm. just stop. You're almost like, hello, is anybody home? Yeah. Right? Yeah, like really, really, like I can't explain it even any better. I don't want to say trenches because everybody's been through a lot worse, but it was a massive shock to the system going from real eight months of complete highs and not knowing where this journey was going to take you and expecting all these things to happen. I have stopped expecting things to happen. A lot of things are said to me now about possibility things. I let them go. I don't dwell on them because if they're going to happen, they're going to happen. But if you tell me something and I wish for it to happen, then it's, the chances of it happening aren't that aren't that great. The, the, the sweet moments are when they're secure, when you're there at the job and when you're doing it. You can't rely on anything. Nothing's certain in this game. Like nothing is certain. You can get earworms or you can get like hints of different things that are coming. They're not guaranteed to come. So I've learned that everything is... I've learned to live in the moment, not dwell in the past and not think about the future. Because if you have preconceived ideas of what's coming, you could either be let down massively by what, what actually does happen. And that's not healthy for anyone. So as a creative, the best healthy mindset to have is to live in the past and let things go. Or live in the, live in the now and let things go. Sorry, not in the past. That would be, that would be anti what I was just saying. <laughs> but let me ask you this. When you were in two years in that valley, how did you cope with it? Not well. The, oh my God. The, I hated the dark evenings. Like there was a really low time for me and um, everybody knew it. Everybody could feel it. And that wasn't good. And I didn't know how to dig myself out of that hole. Uh, I suppose once I got the news about your song about that, I'd submitted for it. I'd submitted things. I'd submitted my songs to lots of things and never got anything back. So once I heard about your song, it didn't even feel real. They were like, 
right, you can't tell anybody about this for months. I never told anybody anyway, because I never thought it was going to happen. That was the lift that I needed to remember that, you know, things aren't going to be easy because I wrote all my music and it was sitting there and I was listening to it and I was loving it. And then I, it just nothing ever happened after that. Like I submitted it to, to different labels and submitted it to different places. And all the, they all said, all her songs, she hasn't got one genre. Like that's what they said. And like, it wasn't marketable or whatever. So you just, you, it was like let down after let down after let down thinking maybe I'm not meant to do this. Why does it feel like I'm meant to do this if I'm not getting anywhere? So it's just, you just literally keep trying. I submitted everything and then submitted that's rich for your vision. Never thought about it again until I got the email. And then once I got the email, it still didn't feel real. So I never let it sit in my sit in my head for long until I actually was like two weeks before and they're like, you can start telling people. And that was that was where I've been so far. So everything's been a dream. Everything's been a real dream. And if it goes tomorrow, I'm just gonna have to respect that that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, um, I mean, listen, it was a, it was a really good discussion. And, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think you're a really hard worker. I think, you know, just from our discussion, I think you're, you're a hard worker and you're very grounded. I like the fact that I, you're very grounded. And I think creatives at times are not grounded, be honest. I mean, I think that a lot of these creative professionals are creative artists where, I mean, they're geniuses, but the fact that like what you said, that don't get ca caught up in the future because ultimately you could be setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. And don't live in the past, kind of live in the now. So you kind of go into things being very cautiously optimistic. So yeah. let, me, let, let me ask you this. If this all went away tomorrow, mm -hmm. are you prepared for that? Yeah, because I have three songs sitting ready to go. <laughs> Great. That's what, that's what I liked. So you are thinking about the future. No, no, no. I'm not thinking about them songs at all, but I know that if this went, then I'd move on to promoting these songs. So well, that, that, that's, that, that, that's amazing. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have any gigs lined up? I mean, is Ireland, are they open yet? Their venues opened? Yeah, but I'm singing in, I'm going to Barcelona in nine days to sing on a tour. I'm going to Barcelona, to London, to Israel, to Amsterdam, to Madrid, and then Belfast I'm singing before I leave to go to Italy. And then after Italy, then I'll start. I took on, I'm singing at Glastonbury this year as well. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is huge. Yeah, that's what what, what, what what other artists are on there? What other artists are booked? Well, actually, Billie Eilish is booked, Paul McCartney, um... It used to be Taylor Swift, but she's not doing it anymore. There's a lot of people. I love Sam Fender. He's singing at it. Um, there's a lot of different people. Like I haven't actually went through the list yet, but those are the ones off the top of my head. How long is your set list? Uh, just, I think it's like four songs, but it's for the owner of the fields. It's like a private venue that they book me for individually. But it also means that I'll get a VIP pass and I'll also try be, be trying for like them new artist tents, like those emerging talent ones, because that would be awesome. Wow, so you're you're really on a uh, you're on you're on a world tour right now. I mean, I'm going to go to Nashville and Vegas, and I'm going to see El Megan in LA, Megan Trainer. So hopefully, get in the studio and write with her as well. Uh, I'm going to just take everything as I can. I'm going to be. I'm just going to fight my way and everywhere and see if I can make it. Wow, that absolutely is incredible.
It, it, but you know what's amazing? I always say, in this business, 48 hours can change your life, right? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you would agree. I would agree with you. Yeah, especially in the world at the minute. The world is so small. You're literally holding the world in your hands. <laughs> like you can do anything with your phone, anything. Contact anyone, anywhere. It's just the reach is so small. <laughs> it's literally crazy. Like crazy. So <laughs> to sum it up, what, what artist ultimately would you want to be remembered? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. That woman is a legacy in herself. She is. She is. Everything. She does everything. She makes books for kids, promotes education, has a place named after her, Dollywood, where she employs a massive amount of people up in the mountains. And uh, she just, she there's not a bad thing that that woman has ever done. And she's so witty and snappy with her answers as well. She is. And in fact, she, and she always says something so meaningful yeah. where it gets circulated in the press the next day. Yeah, so, so smart. Like, I don't know if you heard about, but she just said recently that she is bowing out of being nominated for yeah. rock, rock and roll hall of fame. See, oh my God, we both, we see in a rock album. That's what she's going to do. Right. But, but see, the, the fact is that <sighs> you're in Ireland, you know about it. Yeah. I'm in New Jersey. I know that's amazing. Like she, she, yeah. She just makes, you know, kind of this, this, this cultural impact, but yeah, exactly. And uh, I think Ann Wilson from heart actually reached out to her to, to wanting to make a rock album. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, well, listen, um, it, it, it was great. Um, you know, it was, it was great talking with you. I, I, and now, Obviously, you can listen to all your stuff on Spotify. Yeah. Spotify, which, YouTube, TikTok, Apple Music, Instagram. Brooks is find me. But but on spot right, but on Spotify, it's just Brooke. Yeah. I'm like share. I use the alias of Brooke. Yeah. So so tell me lastly. So you 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 go by your last name, but then you also drop your last name sometimes. I mean, I like, I look, like I think that Brooke, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not well known enough yet to just be Brooke. Like I, I don't know. I think Brooke Scullion is good because it shows my Irish heritage, but it also um, limits me. Whereas Brooke is universal. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And by the way, I can't believe one of my favorite bands, I should have brought this in the beginning, the Cranberries. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. From yeah. Ireland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So were were you? I mean, I know I really love that band. Were you ever majorly influenced by that band? Didn't get to see them, but only in recent years have I influenced them. Like I sing a lot of their stuff. I just think they're a fabulous John. I think they're a fabulous group. And it's so sad that obviously she passed away, but she has just cre- like created a name for herself all over the world and inspired so many artists. It's just a uh, just a really great story. Great, great ambassador for the country. And when does and when does uh. When did they announce the actual song winner? Uh, on the 14th of May, like through the Eurovision Song Contest, or when did they? Wow. So so the countdown begins. So I'm on the semi-final on the 12th of May, and then if I qualify, I'll be in the final on the 14th of May. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you doing a lot of pra- doing a lot of praying or what? 
yeah, a lot of praying, a lot of talking to myself, talking to myself and appreciating what I've done. Like not asking, like um, respecting my body at this time. Like I'm off alcohol for Lent. <laughs> like, you know, I just want <laughs> I just want to really be fit and well for this and give myself the prime opportunity to do well. Awesome. Well, all right, Brooke. Again, it was great discussing and, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch when to follow everything that you're doing. And, and listen, I, I hope you take the, uh, listen, I, I, just because I know you now, I hope you take the whole thing home. So thank you so much. All right, Brooke. Have a good one. Thank you so much. All right, Dean. Bye. Bye. Bye.